Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. We'll be in starting in verse 23 today. And uh, just as in the last several weeks, we've been looking at passages where the religious leaders were, were uh, confronting Jesus with uh, obstacles, with like trick questions, trying to trap him. Uh, just as last week, the Pharisees, disciples, and the Herodians came to Jesus trying to trap him with a question about taxes. This week, we have another question that is asked. We have the Sadducees coming to Jesus, asking him a question about the life after this one. And that is a concern for all of us. That is a concern for all of us. We know that there is something beyond this life. Right? When we die, while our bodies are going to go in the ground, the Bible says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And one of these days, Jesus is going to return physically, bodily, into this earth, He is going to come with riding on a white horse with white hair, with a white robe, with flames coming from His eyes and a sword coming from His mouth. One of these days, He's coming again and we will be raised again. The graves are going to flip open and we're going to come up out of those graves and we're going to meet Him. Amen? Amen. We have a life everlasting that we wait on. The Sadducees didn't believe in that. And that's what they try to trick Jesus up with. Beginning in verse 23, let's go ahead and read our text. Beginning, it says, The same day the Sadducees came to Him, who say that there is no resurrection. And they asked Him a question, saying, Teacher, Moses said, If a man dies having no children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers among us. The first married and died, and having no no offspring, left his wife to his brother. So too the second and the third, down to the seventh. After After them all, the woman died. In the resurrection, therefore, of the seven, whose wife will she be? For they all had her. But Jesus answered them, You are wrong because you know neither the Scriptures nor the power of God. For for in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels in heaven. And as for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was said to you by God? I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the crowd heard it, they were astonished at his teaching. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. And give us hearts to obey. Help us, Lord, to believe what your word says in spite of what the world may say. Help us to be comforted 
by your words. Help us to be strengthened, to live out our lives committed to you, to following you. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. It says the same day. So this is immediately upon the heels of when the, the disciples of the Pharisees and the Herodians came to Jesus with this question about taxes. The same day the Sadducees came to him. We have, we have to ask then who are the Sadducees and how are they different from these other groups? And it tells us, it gives us a little bit of help here. It says that the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection. The Sadducees were uh, just kind of like the Pharisees. These were parties among the Jews. And the, the Jews had different, uh, different beliefs depending on what, um, what party they were a part of. And we can think of the Zealots and the Essenes and the, the Herodians and all these different groups among the Jews of the time that Jesus lived. The Pharisees, they, they were the, the ones who were meticulously obedient to God's Word, although they missed the point still. They believed in all of the Old Testament. They accepted the Torah. They accepted the Psalms and the writings. They accepted the the prophetic writings as well. The Sadducees, on the other hand, they only believed in the Torah. They only believed in the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And their claim was that the, 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 uh, the first five books, the Torah, said nothing about any kind of an afterlife. They did not believe in any kind of resurrection. The Sadducees believed that you just live this life and God's promises have to do with, with um, being blessed here in this life. Being blessed here in this life. Where... Um, the Pharisees, they believed in an afterlife, just like Jesus. The Pharisees were actually closer to Jesus than the Sadducees were. That may actually explain why he had so many confrontations with the Pharisees, because they were this close, and yet they still missed it. The Sadducees were kind of like the liberals. The, the Sadducees, they, they didn't accept parts of the Old Testament. Instead, they they picked and chose, and they chose only the first five books. They did not believe in miracles. They did not believe in the demonic or the angels. They did not believe in the supernatural. They basically just believed that they did believe in God. And they believed that God made everything. And yet, it probably it ends about there. Because they, they believed that... Uh, all of uh, the promises that God gives are just about this life and this life only. And I think if we look at a book like Ecclesiastes, we see that's empty. We see that's vanity, vanity, so says the preacher in Ecclesiastes. If Paul said, if, we are, 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 if all we have is this life, we are of most among all men to be pitied. But we have a resurrection to look forward. We will be raised from the dead. The Sadducees, you might also say, they're like the health and wealth prosperity teachers in the sense that they believe that God's promises were for this life only. They, they believe that if you lived a good life, then God would give you blessings in this life. 
So you might say the, the, the Sadducees believed in that your best life is right now because it's the only one you get. These were the Sadducees. And he says, and they asked him a question saying, Teacher, Moses said, if a man dies having no children, his brother must marry the widow and rise up off, raise up offspring for his brother. Now, this is a strange custom that, that we see in the Bible. It's called Leverite marriage. The law given for that is in Deuteronomy chapter 25, and we don't have to turn there. But in Deuteronomy chapter 25, um, it tells uh, got Moses writing, telling God's people that... Uh, if someone, if a man dies and there's no children, that he is to, the, the brother of that man is to be a kinsman redeemer. We see this in the book of Ruth. He's to be a kinsman redeemer, to marry that uh, sister-in-law, to be able to raise up children uh, to be seed for him. And what was the purpose of something like that? Well, it was because of um, inheritance laws. And, and, and how important the land was for them. You know, the, when, when God gave um, the, the people the land, the, the individual families were to have that land and possess it in their families forever, perpetually. And if someone were to die, that inheritance would have no one to go to. And so in order to protect that inheritance and that family line from, being, from coming to an end, um, God commanded the, the, the Jews that whenever someone would die in this situation without an heir, that the brother would take care of that and, the, and then there, there would uh, uh, be one to raise up and have that inheritance. And that was the reason for it. Now, even though Moses wrote about this, it, it happened even before the time of Moses because we see the same thing in the story of Judah. Judah, his son, um, Selah, married. No, it wasn't Selah. I can't remember what his son name, son's name was. There were three of them. The first one married Tamar. Was it Tamar? Mm-hmm. It was Tamar. First one married Tamar. He died. He had done something evil in the Lord's sight. He died. And Onan married uh, Tamar. And he also did something wicked. I don't have to go into that. He died. And then um, Judah wouldn't give the third son to her because he was afraid something was going to happen to her. We see this custom of Leverite marriage within the Old Testament as it plays out. Well, this very custom that God commanded for the Jewish people to practice, the, fair, the Sadducees here are coming to Jesus with a question about this. And their question is ridiculous. And they recognize it as ridiculous. This is probably a question that whenever they would get into a debate with the Pharisees who believed in a resurrection, they'd probably throw this question in to try to stump them. And they thought they'd try this with Jesus as well. And so they say, teacher, um, and again, saying teacher, they're giving him some kind of false respect. They're trying to butter him up, but they don't really mean this respect for him. They say, now there were seven brothers among us. The first married and died, having no offspring. And we've already read this, but each one marries the same woman None of them have children. The woman dies. And they're one, they're, they ask, who's going to be married to her in the resurrection? They, they probably felt like, gotcha. 
You're not going to be able to answer that one. This is a, this is a trick question. This is, this is like the, the high school or junior high kid that raises the question, can God make a rock so big that even he can't lift it? As if that's some kind of an uh, objection. They, pres- they pose this question, and Jesus sees right through it. Jesus sees right through it. He says, you are wrong because you don't know, because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. He says there's two reasons why they're wrong. One, they don't know their Bible. They don't know their Bible. Now, he could have been saying that just about the prophets and the writings because they didn't accept the prophets and the writings. But he was saying this not just about those, but he was saying this about the Torah, which they accepted. You don't know your Bible. You don't know the one that you accept. Jesus says to them. And he says they don't know the power of God. God can raise the dead. And they refuse to believe it. They don't know the power of God and they don't know the Bible. Verse 30. In the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels in heaven. This is his first answer. You don't understand, he says to the Pharisees, or the Sadducees, not the Pharisees, the Sadducees. He says, you don't understand that the resurrection to come is not like the life that we're living now. There are different rules than, we, than what we live like right now. Right now, uh, we live in an era where people marry and are given in marriage. We, we live in an era uh, that, that is uh, a part of, of this creation where we're given the command to multiply and fill the earth. But when he comes again in that resurrection kingdom that is coming one day, it's not going to be like that. Now, this raises some questions in our mind. Will we still know the ones we love in the new heavens and the new earth? Will we still know our spouse in the new heavens and the new earth? And I think there's plenty of evidence elsewhere. Yes, we're going to know them, but our relationship will be different. Our relationship will no longer be um, one that is defined by the marriage relationship that we know in this existence. Now, there's a mystery here. We, I, can't Im- I can't even begin to explain all of it. But we just know that the relationships we have now, while we will know as we are known even now, they're going to be different. They're going to transcend the reality we have now. We will be made with the capacity to, to love everyone in a way that we can't even imagine in this existence. There will no longer be any loneliness. Isn't that great? There'll no longer be any loneliness. No longer be any broken hearts. The new kingdom that comes in the resurrection will transcend all of that. So that is one reason why the Sadducees, they just don't get it. They expect that this life is all there is and that there's no change. But Jesus tells them, no, in the resurrection, it's a renewed and restored experience that transcends anything you can imagine in this life. And the second thing Jesus says, he says, and as for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was said to you by God? 
I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Here he quotes the passage that Ron read from. This is the only place in the Old Testament where this expression is found. I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. There's some things we have to notice about this. Jesus said, the, the, God said in this passage in Exodus, I am the God of Abraham and of Isaac. Jacob. It's a present tense. He he did not say, I was the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. He didn't say, I am the God who Abraham used to worship and Jacob used to worship and Isaac used to worship. No, he said, I am, present tense, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. That's what he says. And Jesus then points out (coughs) He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. So when God said to Moses, hundreds of years after the time of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, when He says to Moses, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, He indicates that Jacob and Isaac and Abraham are all still alive in His presence. (coughs) To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You know, we see in the New Testament this parable that's told about the rich man and Lazarus. And where does Lazarus go? He goes to Abraham's bosom. He goes to this place where Abraham is. God is not the God of the dead, but He is the God of the living. And even the Torah, even the, the, the first five books of the Bible, which these Sadducees accepted, even taught the very thing that they were denying. Finally, verse 33 tells us, and when the crowd heard it, they were astonished at his teaching. The crowd had probably heard the debates between the Pharisees and the Sadducees over and over and over again. And when the Sadducees bring this question up, the Pharisees were always stumped and they couldn't give a good answer. But then Jesus comes along and he gives this answer and the crowds are just amazed. Jesus gives them an answer that they've never been able to think of before. Jesus is the true interpreter of Scripture. That's one thing we see from this. When we read our Bibles, we need to read the Bible like Jesus. You know what? Jesus paid so close attention to the Scripture that He he, he used the tense. This is a present tense verb. (laughs) And that's what Jesus argued with. You know what? We need to pay close attention when we read our Bibles and pay attention even to what tense the verbs are in. That's why I think it's valuable to, to actually get a theological education, get, learn the languages if you're able. Not everybody can do that. I'm thankful that God provided me the ability to do so. So we can interpret the Scriptures like Jesus did. Jesus could not be tricked. Jesus understood the Scriptures. And we need to imitate Jesus in the way we understand Scriptures. Also, Jesus shows that there is a life after this one. 
Amen? He showed us also when He rose from the dead. We are here looking at passages that are in the last week of the life of Jesus leading up to the crucifixion and the resurrection. And as He goes through that week, He is marching ever closer and closer and closer to the cross. By the end of the week that we are reading about, He gives His life as a ransom for us. Jesus went to the cross and He died. And that was not the end. The Sadducees, if they were right, that would be the end. Jesus would be in the grave, the seal would go in front of the tomb, and that would be it. But the Sadducees were not right. Because three days later, Jesus rose from the dead victoriously, and as He rose from the dead, He proved who He was. He was God in the flesh. That's what happened when He rose from the dead. He was the first fruits of the resurrection. Because He lives, we know that one day we will raise with Him. The resurrection of the dead is something we have hope in. Our hope is not that we will die and we will float around on a cloud somewhere. Our hope is that one day Jesus is going to return and we're going to be raised from the dead with new bodies that don't get sick anymore, that don't have arthritis, that don't have cancer, that don't need transplants, that don't get sick, that don't cry. We will will be ever joyful in in a world that is a new creation. There is no addictions and no more sin. Hallelujah. There's a song we sang earlier, and though this world with devils filled do threaten to undo us, in the new heavens and the new earth, there will not be a world that's filled with devils. They will be thrown into the lake of fire which burns forever. And we will reign with Him. So my closing words, again, this is, this, I always come back to this. Look to Jesus. Whatever thing you're facing in your life, whatever obstacle that you are needing to overcome, look to Jesus. He has defeated it at the cross. While you still wrestle with many different things in this life, one of these days, those chains are going to be gone. One of these days, we will raise to new life. We will be restored. And we will be filled with joy forever. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love You. We thank You for the resurrection that is our hope. We thank You for Jesus who secured it for us and who is the demonstration that we can believe we will one day be raised like Him. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.